Well, good morning, everybody. How we doing? Great to see all of you, and uh, we have a great week this week. I just want to give you some quick updates. So uh, if you're new with us, first and foremost, uh, there is a seat rack in front of you. There's a communicator card. If you'll fill that out for us, just let us know that you're here. Uh, we're honored that you chose to worship with us. But just fill that out, and there's tithes and offering containers. There are blue boxes by every door when you go out. You can put those in there uh, as well, members and attendees and those of you that are, that are here with us and online. Let us know that you're here. Uh, if there's any prayer or praise requests we could do for whether you're new or you're You've been here for 20 years. Please put that on the communicator cards, and you can drop those in the, in the containers as well. And our intercession teams would begin praying and standing and agreeing with you and, and whatever your request may be. So it's, it's an awesome privilege to be able to pray together. And so you can do that. Also, tithes and offerings, make that part of your worship today. It's a joy to bring back uh, a tenth, our, our first fruits, back to the Lord. So make that part of your worship as well. Uh, or whatever the Lord's speaking to you as an offering, you can bring that as well. And so it's always, always uh, a blessing to invest in the kingdom. Um, you know, this week we had uh, amazing, uh, really just ministry moments from everything from the pantry and all that's going on at the pantry. We're hearing testimony after testimony of what God's doing over there. In fact, they're preparing for, uh, we're going to have a, a whole uh, Christmas thing for them and a Thanksgiving thing for them. So we'll be uh, communicating that to you as a church in the days ahead. Um, and then this week on Saturday, we had our men's group. So uh, Doug and his team, great job, Doug, by the way, of men's. And so they... Uh, 150-pound pig, the men crushed it. They did a great job, so they just crushed it. It was good, um, but that was awesome, and uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know, uh, JT Thomas was with us and John Kolb, and they got to share about their experience playing for the Steelers, eight rings between the two of them. Isn't that crazy? Eight Super Bowl rings, so it was just cool to hear their perspective on, you know, uh, not only on the field, but how the Lord used their platform, and obviously, they're not playing football now, but they're using their platform to tell people about Christ, and it was an amazing, amazing message and, and just really good conversation between the guys. So, uh, so the men that were there were just blown away. We just had a great time. Uh, youth, they, they had saw a lot of people return. So they had their big kind of soft grand opening, and they saw a lot of the new kids that had come out came back on Wednesday night. So uh, God's doing a work over there as well. So, so many great things. I could sit here and brag on you as a church all day. So uh, it's fun. I just, I just love doing ministry with you. Uh, also, on your seats, underneath your butts there, the feast, and so there's a bring bite for you. We have plenty of these, so take as many as you want. This could be this one can be for you. Put it on your fridge or wherever you want to remind you. On the 31st, we're having our feast, but um, you can take these are bring bites. So we want you to bring somebody with you. Of course, uh, you know inviting, but bring somebody with you. And so take as many of these as you want to remind them or or, or set something up. Take them. Uh, let them know that we're going to have lunch here. It's going to be a great day. Don't forget on the 31st. Normally we have nine and eleven services every week, but on the fifth Sundays we've kind of reshaped them, reformed them. It's going to be from ten to two. So ten o'clock. If you come at nine, we'll put you to work. We'll get you there early. It'll be fine. Come early. Come at eleven. We'll still be here, okay? But 10 o'clock, it starts from 10 to 2, and it's going to start with worship. It's going to start with uh, water baptisms. It's going to start with a testimony. It's going to be a powerful, really, just moment together. And then we're just going to feast and celebrate and talk about what God's done in our lives and just hang out together as a church, making caramel apples, enjoying one another. It's going to be a great day. So we do need volunteers. So whether you're a kid or adult, you can jump in. Uh, so if you... Uh, if you're free or you're open, come on out. We'll get you plugged in. Uh, you, can, you can jump right in. So you, maybe you're saying, well, I don't know what to do. We'll, we'll, we'll give you the understanding and the know-how what to do. It really just is a great day to serve. But please bring somebody with you, a coworker, neighbor, friend. This is in a moment time for them to meet Jesus in a different way. So they'll hear powerful testimony. They'll see God working in us. The worship is going to be awesome. But as well, uh, just having fellowship and see you know, the church be the church in a different way is, is really an awesome time. So feasts were always meant to 
gather. They were always meant to celebrate what God's doing, and they were always meant to uh, be an outreach for, for those uh, that maybe are away from God or, or lost. And so this is a good opportunity for us to bring somebody with us. So again, take as many of these as you want. We'll, print, we'll keep printing them. You take whatever you want to take. It'll be great. Uh, all right, turn your Bibles to Proverbs. Uh, we've been in a series. Actually, you can turn to um, Philippians first. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Philippians first. Uh, and then we're going to be in Proverbs the rest of the day, and then we'll go back to Philippians. So use your bulletin, use your little stringy deal that you have there, whatever you want. Um, but how many of you guys were here last week for our message? We, we talked about anger last week. And so it was a powerful message. If you weren't here, you're new, uh, maybe you're online f- uh, for the first time with us, uh, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. It was a great message. Proverbs has just been a great series. I mean, we've, uh, if you're new with us, we, Proverbs is about wisdom. Solomon wrote Proverbs, and God really used Proverbs to really bring wisdom into our lives, and it really speaks on so many areas. If you, and we did a 31-day challenge as a church, and so we're, we're still on that. In fact, uh, you know, you can keep reading a chapter a day. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs, so you can read one chapter of Proverbs a day, and I promise you, one chapter has so much wisdom in itself. Uh, so, but just keep, you know, listening for the Lord, looking things as God illuminates things or makes things pop out. This is why scripture's alive and it's alive to all of us in different ways. It's speaking to us. So this is what I love about Proverbs. So if you're new with us, what we've done is we've themed, we've went through and found themes all the way through Proverbs. So we started talking about wisdom. Uh, you know, Solomon wrote, this is why I wrote Proverbs. It's so that we can gain wisdom, so we can understand, so we can, uh, we can give justice. And, and he really gave us a purpose and theme. And we started there on week one. Then we talked about our words and our mouth. Uh, you know, we all, we all say words. Sometimes we struggle with the words. Sometimes we use our words for encouragement. But what does God have to say about our words and how important are our words? Uh, we talked about that in week two. Uh, we talked about justice. We've talked about um, stewardship. Last week, we talked about anger. There's just so many great principles in Proverbs. And so for all of us uh, as believers, or maybe you're new to Christ, or maybe you haven't even made a commitment to Christ, it's all about taking steps towards Christ. And so as you're listening to these messages, I certainly understand changing every aspect of your life is going to be difficult. None of us can do that real well, but just take one. Take one area. Maybe it was anger last week. Maybe it was stewardship. Or today, we're going to talk about humility, all right? So humility. Uh, I love this topic, and, and you're going to see all through Proverbs, and it's, it's like a clanging gong. And this is what I love about Proverbs. It not only tells you what God's heart is about humility uh, or anger or whatever the topic may be, uh, but it also tells you what it isn't. Here's how a fool would would make a decision, and here's how a wise would make a decision. And all of us have been in both categories, hopefully, prayerfully. We're, we're more, more going towards the wisdom, but all of us have made foolish choices in our lives too. We all need God. We all need the heart of Jesus. We all need his heart. We all need the Holy Spirit to help us. And so that's why I love Proverbs is we just look at area after area. God, how can I get stronger? What step can I make today? What is it that I can gain wisdom from today? So that's what we're going to do is we look at humility. Now, usually when you see things outside of church and outside of the Bible, like in Hollywood or on blockbusters or movies, uh, they usually uh, make their money on the opposite of God's heart, right? They'll, they'll do movies on pride. So here's a whole bunch of fun clips that maybe, movies maybe you've seen, maybe you haven't, it really doesn't matter, but you'll see that pride is a subject. So watch this clip. Relax, everybody, I'm here. I'm Batman. I'm the boss. I am William Wallace. William Wallace is seven feet tall. Yes, I've heard. I just live by the ABCs. Adventurous, brave, creative. As you see, I've got biceps to spare. You are without doubt the worst pirate I've ever heard of. 
that you have heard of. I have the descendants on 12 systems. I protect the galaxy from the threat of invasion from the evil Emperor Zerg, sworn enemy of the Galactic Alliance. Oh, really? I'm Hela. I'm just a Jedi. I, I don't think you're giving us our due credit. I have part of a plan. Grow and spread, covering all that exists until everything is. Um, I'm gonna have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. I was in prison for three years. I don't know how to punch. Show me. Terrible. You wanna show me how to punch? Show me. That is dangerously arrogant. I will have order! Control! Control! You must run control! You have a lack of humility before nature that's being displayed here. Um, staggers me. I'm gonna make him an awfully count. I live alone. My swamp. Me. Nobody else. Understand? You strike me as a particularly icy and remorseless man. Uh, no, I'm doing fine. I'm sure that's exactly what you want these people. You want to spend a little more time trying to do something with yourself and a little less time trying to impress me. It's not about you. It's not about you, right? So... I love that. There's some, obviously some great movies about humility, too. But, uh, but a lot of us, you know, when we talk about pride, you know, that's the opposite of humility. It's all about us, right? That's what it's all about. And by the way, I just want to encourage all of you. Maybe you're here today, and, you know, you're going to see that maybe pride is something that you're dealing with or something that you uh, are tempted in or you've given into. Uh, I want you to know you're not alone. Every person in this room has struggled with pride. It's something we all struggle with. It's something that we'll all be tempted. Uh, but my, my goal in this is for you to see God's heart. What's God's heart when we look at humility? What does God say about pride? What are some ways that we can grow in these areas? And that's really the heart of the message today. But uh, the definition of humility, uh, if you were to look it up in a, dic- in a dictionary, uh, you can actually get a little bit confused depending on what dictionary you're looking at. It. But it says it means to lower, all right? And actually the Greek word actually means lower. Uh, but you can, be, you can look at that and say, well, uh, you know, to lower yourself below everybody else. It's not speaking so much about you uh, not being better than anybody. Uh, really what it's, uh, the definition, especially biblically, is to elevate others above yourself, to learn how to love others, to be able to look at people the way Jesus looks at us. Uh, you know, Jesus died for us. He died in our place while we were sinners. You didn't ask for it. I didn't ask for it. We weren't even alive when it happened. But we didn't deserve what Jesus did, but he, he died in our place. He loved, he, he loved us first. And so that's really the heart of humility is when we look to Christ. In fact, it says this in uh, Proverbs chapter 2, I'm sorry, Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. And I told you to go ahead and and get there with me. But Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, let me get there with you. All right, 2, 3. It says this. It says, let nothing, that's pretty clear, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness, this is where you get humility from, of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. How many of you agree that's a pretty hard way to view things, right? It's hard to put others above yourself. It's hard to think about others and and to honor them or respect them or or think about them or bless them more than even yourself. Uh, But this is where the gospel, this is where God's heart comes into play. That's his desire for us. And so this morning, I really wanted to start because our vision Really, that's our vision statement. Our vision statement is very simple. Love God, love people, but 
the priority is very important. You can't love people without loving God. Now, you can do an okay job at it, but the reality is the only way you can love people is to understand from the one that made people, the one that created people, God himself. And so that's where our vision statement comes from. In fact, my first point is this. Humility is found in Christ. That's where you find humility because God displayed humility. He's the one that showed us what humility is. So humility is found in Christ. It's received by you. You have to receive from God, and, and then you can show from others. So the reality of our, our, of our vision statement is this. For all of us, we have to come to a place to receive from God. Look, we love God. In fact, the, our mission statement comes out of Mark chapter 12. It's in all the Gospels, by the way, but I just chose Mark because it's real simple and clear. Uh, Mark 12, 30 through 31, it says this. It says, and you must love God with... I'm sorry, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your, your mind, and with all your strength. That's pretty clear. It covers pretty much every base, doesn't it? You love God with all that you are, with every part inside of you. That's part of loving God. We love God with our, our mind, our soul, our strength, our heart. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as, everyone say, yourself. No other commandments greater than these. So, can you love somebody when you don't understand about yourself? No. And so this is why the love of God is so important because uh, Jesus, obviously, you can't buy salvation. You can't buy any of these things. You can't earn it. You can't do enough good works for it. It's by God's grace that we can be saved. Jesus already paid the price. There's nothing that we can do to add to it or make it more of a reality. The, re the, the truth is, is that Jesus paid the price for all humanity at one time. When he died on the cross and he rose from the grave and he ascended into heaven, it was for all humanity. Every person, in fact, that's God's heart and that's our heart as a church. Every human being can be saved. That's God's heart is that every human being will be saved. And it's not because Jesus didn't make it possible or there's an exception or he only died for the elect or the few. It's, the reality is, is as human beings, we have to come to a place. Jesus paid the price whether you receive it or not. Whether you go to heaven or not, Jesus still paid the price of your sin. He still went to the cross on your behalf. But we have to come to a place to receive it, to receive his grace, to receive his goodness, to receive his lordship, to become a follower of Christ. That's something that we have to receive. Now, what Christ has done has already been, it's already been done. It's, uh, it's already been paid. You can't overturn it but you can receive it. And when you think about humility, this is, this is the case with humility as well. We love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all of our mind. We begin to understand how God loves people. Why did Jesus die in our place? Why did Jesus do that? We begin to see that God is, a, is more than just humble. He's, he's really the definition of what humility is. And as you Follow God, and as you look to God, and as you build your relationship with God, you're going you're gonna to receive from the Lord. I'm going to receive from the Lord. You're going to be transformed. I'm going to be transformed. We're going to constantly be growing. This is what I love about Proverbs and the Scriptures is, look, we're never going to know everything about God. We're always going to be growing. Even in heaven, I believe you're going to be learning about the Lord. We're always going to be growing. We're always, His ways are much higher than ours. His thoughts are much higher than ours. 
And so we're constantly growing. Uh, you know, the, the Bible talks about how God molds us like clay or like a potter. He's constantly molding our hearts. And when it comes to humility, that's what's happening. He's teaching you. He's showing you. We're growing in this. We're not going to be perfect at it. Even as a believer, even at your, your most, whatever, you know, we like to look at things like, oh, this was the high point. I remember when I was a Christian, I was so strong over here, and then something happened. But that was my high point. Look, even at your high point, we are still dealing with ourself. That's why Luke says you have to die to yourself daily. Do you know what the first, I don't want to say humanity sin, but do you know what the, the first issue for God was? The first issue God dealt with was Satan himself. What was Satan's reason for being thrown out of heaven? Pride. It was pride. He wanted to be like God. He wanted to be worshipped. He wanted to be uh, like the high mountain. He wanted to be where God was. He wanted that status. Now, he was an angel. Angels were created just like we were created. God created angels just like us. They have a free will just like we do. And when Satan said, I want to be God, Jesus said it this way, I threw him out of heaven like lightning, instantly. Instantly he was out. There cannot be pride in heaven. There can't be pride in the presence of God. God is a holy God, and it's not a place where pride is. Pride is selfish. It's all about me, 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 right? In the video, it's all about me, me, me. It's all about you, you, you. We all deal with pride, don't we? How many of you guys have had some me, me, me moments? We all deal with it. Why? Because the Antichrist, that was that, what got him thrown out of heaven. Do you think he's not going to throw pride in your face every single day? Oh, absolutely he will. Absolutely pride is the root to get you away from God. It is the weapon that the enemy uses to get your thinking about you, yourself, not about others. And so that's why it's so anticlimactic in a sense of God's heart is humility. The enemy's heart is pride. So we're always tempted. There's always this aspect. Even, even when you're at your highest point as a believer, you're going to have to put pride. You're going to have to put it under your feet. You're going to have to stomp it. Just because you get saved doesn't mean it goes away. Oh, it's still there every single day. A lot of people don't come to church because of pride, because something has happened in a church where they put themselves first and they hurt people. Look, we're churches, yes, it's full of people. We're not always, we don't always get it right. We make mistakes at times. But can I just tell you, we have a high priest, Jesus, who's perfect. And if we're looking to our high priest, if we're looking to God and we're loving God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our strength, and with all our mind, look, it doesn't mean that we're going to get it right a thousand or a hundred percent of the time, but what it does mean is that we're doing our best. And if we do mess up, we're going to make it right. We're going to say we're sorry. Hey, I was being selfish. I was being prideful. I was being arrogant. How many times does that come out of your mouth? It should. If you're being prideful, just call it out. Right? If we... There's so many great wisdom scriptures in the Proverbs and also in the Bible, right? Anything in the dark has to come to light, right? Pride has to come to light if we're struggling with it. So I just want to encourage you, if that's you today, you're dealing with pride, look, this is a great message just to help you. We're not here to condemn you because I deal with it just like you deal with it. So we're not here to condemn or judge. We're just here to say, hey, God's given us a beautiful picture of his heart. Let's try it. 
Let's walk it out. What does the Bible say about pride? And what does the Bible say about humility? What does it say about being humble? And if we're struggling with pride, the best thing we can do is choose God's heart. Now, my flesh wants to do that, right? This is what Paul said. This is what my flesh wants to do. I know what I should be doing, but I don't do it. I know what I shouldn't do, but I do it. Look, the apostle Paul had the same argument. Look, your flesh, your flesh you, inside, you, you're gonna wanna choose to be selfish. But another great verse in Philippians says, look, we have to put all things under the obedience of Christ. Even though my flesh wants to do this, I wanna make this decision, I wanna be selfish, I wanna just think about me, I remember what God did for me. He chose me while I was a sinner. He looked to me, he found a, he blessed me, he saved me, he's healed me, he set me free. And he's constantly doing that for me. He's constantly thinking about me. God's got a lot on his plate. But he still finds time to talk about you to the Father every single day. He finds time. You're valuable to him. And part of loving God means he's valuable to us. And he's changing us. Here's the beautiful thing about the vision when we receive from God, when we love God and we seek him with all of our heart, you're gonna find him, you're gonna transform, you're gonna receive, and you're gonna change, and now you can love other people. Because you've received it, now you can give it away. Because you've received the love from God, now you can give love to others. Because now you understand it in a dynamic way. That's what I love about this church. You guys do such a phenomenal job of loving others. But you gotta understand the order is important. Love God. Love people. As you love God and seek God, you're going to change. That's why, the, that's why the second greatest commandment says, love others as you love yourself. Because when you love God, you are going to change. You are loving yourself because you're choosing God's heart. And it's transforming you. And now you can help others. And you can show them the heart of God. So that's how it works for humility. You can take any topic you want. And God will begin to transform and mold and shape you. But when it comes to humility... This is how it works. We think about others. It's not always about us. You know, our mission is this, and, and, um, and I love our mission because it really, so love God, love people, how do we do that? Well, this is how we do it because we want to see people saved, healed, set free, discipled, equipped, empowered, and serving. And yes, that's a progress, right? You can't get healed by God without being saved by God. I mean, he can heal anybody, but the reality is, is he heals his people. He saves his people. He sets his people free. That's why he came. And God, as look, we're going to grow. That's what discipling's all about. God is going to equip us. He's going to equip us not only with his word, but he's going to equip us with gifts. He's going to empower us with the Holy Spirit. There's supernatural things that only God can do. And then we're going to be serving not only Christ, Ultimately, that's why we serve. We come to serve Jesus, but we also get to serve others. We get to serve people, people that may be lost, people that may be dechurched. You know, I want to help you understand something because I know we live, look, throughout all history, there's been things that have been happening. But the world we live in right now, there's a lot of things happening. And I just want you to know, part of loving people means uh, the reality of churches is this isn't, for the healthy, right? Jesus didn't make the church for the healthy. He made it for the sick. 
He made it for those that are broken, that are lost, that do have disease, that, are, that need help. That's why he came. That's why we have church. And so people are going to walk into this church or walk into this door. We may be doing like a men's event or we may be out doing ministry or you may be out at work. Right? The church isn't a building. It's us. It's the people. And it's not one singular person, by the way. Church means gathering. It's a gathering of people. It's all of us cumulative together. Using our lives, worship is our lives. Using our lives to, to tell people about Christ. But you know what? You're going to come across people that don't believe like you, that have a different view than you. And it may not be God's heart at all, but you have to remember, you, when you came to God, you didn't have God's heart in mind either. You didn't believe like the Lord either. Now, I'm not saying what their, what their belief is or what their view is, is gospel, but what I am saying is, look, we were all lost. We were all hurting. We were all de-churched, and we all needed somebody to love us, and we all needed somebody to die for us. We all needed someone to sacrifice his life for us. We all needed somebody to make it right when we made it wrong, and that's what Jesus did for us, and that's why we're a light in this world, and so you're going to come across people that have a total different view on whatever the topic may be. You just remember you were in that place at one time too. Maybe with not with the same thing or the same topic or same circumstance, but you needed a savior too, and so do they. Our job is not to sit here and judge people and condemn people. Our job is to be the light of the world, to be truth and justice. And I'm not speaking about the enemy, by the way. Look, the enemy, you fight and you win. That's one of the things the guy said the other night that I really appreciated. There was a question about, well, how do we be a Christian and how do we be aggressive and, and just go after it? And like, how do, we, how do we be violent at the same time? Violent for the Lord, of course. And he said, look, and I, I love what he said. He said, in Corinthians, it says, you go, you're running this race to what? To win, right? You're running to win. Does that mean you just be mediocre? No, you run to win. You be aggressive. You know God's heart. You go. You go to win. You know we're going to win at the end run, but until that happens, we've got a job to do. We've got a gospel to give. Go to win. It's okay to be God's heart and to displaying it and to go after it. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church, so don't let them prevail. That's our job. We don't want them to prevail. We want to go. We want people to be saved, healed, set free, discipled, equipped, empowered, and serving, and that's our job. That's our job. So I love our vision. I love our mission, and I'm already almost out of time. I, got, I better get moving. We have even read one proverb. Let's read one proverb. We are in the series of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34 says, Surely he scorns the scornful, but he gives grace to the humble. If there's any reason why you be humble, it's right there. Another translation says he mocks the mockers, right? When Satan said, I want to be like God, out. Like lightning. If, if there's anything that you, if there's any reason to be humble, it's that God looks for us when we are humble. And even if we don't give it right, even if we don't get it right, He gives us grace. He gives us grace. Proverbs 8 13 says, The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. I think we all want to hate evil. I think most people on the planet want to hate evil. Pride and arrogance in the evil way and the perverse mouth I hate. There's not many things that God says he hates. And by the way, he's not saying he hates people. He hates the pervert. He hates the sin. 
He hates the sin of perverse mouth. He hates the sin of arrogance. He hates the sin of pride. He doesn't hate the person. So don't twist it. Proverbs eleven twelve says, when pride comes, then comes shame. How many of you guys have ever experienced this? How many of you guys have had shame before? Think about the situation if you've ever felt shame before. Usually you're being prideful. Usually you've done something that just you know it was wrong and you feel the shame of it, right? That's what pride does. That's what sin does. It brings shame. That's what the enemy does. He's trying to shame you, blame you. But look at the next verse. But with, with the humble's wisdom, with sin and pride comes shame. With humbleness comes wisdom. Which one would you rather have? I think we all would rather have wisdom. Proverbs 12, 19 says, just be who you are, working hard for a living, for that's better than pretending to be important and starving to death. You ever done that before, right? You're trying to make yourself more important or you're trying to get somebody to like you so you say things, but you're really starving. You're really not doing well, but you just are bloating or being prideful. Just be who you are and work hard. Proverbs 12, 15 says, a fool is in love with his own opinion. How many know that's right? A fool is in love with his own opinion. But wisdom means being teachable. I tell our team all the time, because when, we, when you're doing ministry and you're leading the church and all of these things, like we, you know, people come in, they want to be involved, and I think it's awesome. I think it's really great. But I always tell the team, look, are they teachable? Are they teachable? Because we all, you'll, you know, I've been in the church a long time and probably so have you, right? Or maybe, maybe this is new to you, but, but even in your job or wherever you are, it works wherever you go. People always want to give you, I love this verse, a fool lo- is in love with his old opinion. Look, people love to come up and give critiques. I don't mind critiques. I, I, I appreciate critiques. In fact, I, I appreciate people giving me understanding or wisdom or critiques. But are they teachable? I also love to put it out there. Like if someone's got a critique or someone's got a, uh, a lot of times it's not a critique. A lot of times it's a complaint. There's a difference, right? Someone who's complaining versus someone that's giving a critique. Like if someone's got a critique and I know a lot of you and I know your hearts and I know if you're giving me a critique, your heart is the same as mine. We want to really solve the problem, right? We want to go, there's, there's an issue here. We could do better here. Let's find a way to do better. But for the complainers of the world, the complainers just want to come up and complain and walk away. But let me just put it out there if you're a complainer. What if you have an idea that could really help the church or your job or your family? Think about what you're doing. You're bringing a complaint which you're seeing from your perspective. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I'm saying get in the game. Maybe you have a gift. Maybe you have wisdom. Maybe you have understanding that could really help in a situation or help with the solution. Look, I don't have all the gifts that you have, and you don't have all the gifts that I do. We need to work together. So if there's an issue or there's a complaint or there's something that you see, look, come be part of the game. Jump in. Help out. Be a part of it. Let's not be fools who love our opinions but don't want to do anything about it. We want to tell everybody else how to do things, but we don't want to, do it. We don't want to have any part of it. We just like to complain. Proverbs 13, 13, or 13, 10 says, wisdom opens your heart to receive wise counsel. Again, we're teachable. But pride comes, closes your ears to advice and gives birth only to quarrels and strife. Proverbs 13, 13 says, he who despises the word will be destroyed. 
But he who fears the commandment, again, another word for the, war, for the word, will be rewarded. Sometimes we see that word fears. We're not afraid. It's respect. It's reverence. It's all. That's actually the, the Hebrew, the Greek word. There's, there's a reverence for the word. There's a reverence for the Lord. There's a respect from God. You'll find reward. If you hate the word, you'll be destroyed. And we know it's true. That's what God says. If you're in the book of life, there's eternity. If not, there's destruction. That's what Proverbs says. That's wisdom. Proverbs 14.3 says, And the mouth of a fool is a rod of pride, but the lips of the wise will preserve them. And Proverbs 15.25 says, The Lord tears down, listen to this, the house of the proud. Is he literally tearing down your physical house? Maybe. But normally, really what he's talking about is you. This is the house he's talking about. The Lord tears down the house of the proud, but he protects the property of the widows. He protects the property of those that have wisdom. Ask yourself this question if you're dealing with pride. Because it's probably not just when when God says your house. It's like every aspect of your life. It's relationships. It's your family. It's your job. It's your workplace. It's... It's everything. Let me just ask you, is it you? Is there a piece of you that you need to look at? Is it your heart that you need to look at? We're just trying to help you. Look, I've dealt with pride. And usually when pride is at the forefront, when it's all about me, 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 there's so much pressure from every area of your life. Rarely do you look at somebody that's humble, unless you're really prideful, then you complain about the humble too. But rarely do you see something done humbly or you see somebody put others above themselves and you go, oh, that's terrible. Look, we know that's God's heart. We know that's what we should do. Proverbs 15, 33 says, fear the Lord teaches wisdom, humility precedes honor. Fear the Lord teaches wisdom and humility precedes honor. So being humble, look, we all want to be honoring. We all want to be people of honor that comes through humility. Let me just move forward a little bit. Guys, just follow me. Let me show you some, in Proverbs chapter 21, this is not humility. I love how the Bible gives you, this is not what humility is. This is what humility is. Makes it real clear for you, okay? Proverbs 21.4 says, A haughty look, a proud heart, and a plowing of the wicked are sin." Proverbs 21, 24 says, a proud and haughty man, scoffer is his name. I don't want to be called scoffer, do you? Scoffer is his name. He acts with arrogant pride. This is not humility. Again, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. I don't care where I'm at, what the relationship is, what the situation is. It's all about me. Scoffer is his name is what the scriptures say. Here's the key to humility. So here's the key to how humility works. I love this. Proverbs 22, 4 says, by humility and, so by being, putting others above yourself and respect of the Lord or fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. So by being humility, by having God's heart, putting others above themselves and fearing the Lord, respecting God, comes riches and honor and life. Some translations say a longer life. Look, you want to live longer? Humility and following God. That's what it's all about. Proverbs 25, 6 through 7, uh, these next couple of verses talk about uh, promoting yourself. You ever been around anyone that promotes himself? A self-promoter? 
not only is it all about them, but they've got all the answers. You know, I was uh, in Dallas one time. We were, we were uh, at that time, we were portable, and we had, uh, we had a great worship team and stuff, but there was this, this young lady, and she was phenomenal. She loved the Lord, by the way. She had a tremendous gift, a tremendous talent, as do uh, many self-promoters, right? They're really good at what they do. Uh, so anyway, she wanted to be part of the worship team, but anytime she was on there, it was about her album or her next thing or her next, you know, whatever's coming out or what she was doing or I'm having a concert here or you should come out. And she was always self-promoting. And it came to a place where, you know, her gift, her voice was phenomenal. She was just such a, an amazing uh, talent. And you knew she loved the Lord, but she was dealing with this pride in herself where anytime she was part of the worship team, she had to make it about herself or make it about what was going on in her life or where the album was coming from or whatever it was. So it came to a place where we said, look, we're just going to have to have you step down. And she was so crushed and so hurt. But later it turned around to be a good thing. Because worship is about him. It's not about me. It's not about you. When we give the word of God, it's about him. It's not about me. It's not about you. Obviously, it may impact us, but it's about his heart. It's about what he wants to do. It's about knowing that he has his best in mind for us. It's about his heart and knowing him. Proverbs uh, 25, 6, 7 says this, Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king. Remember, Solomon's a king, and so he's dealt with this many times. And do not stand in the place of the great, for it is better that he say to you, you come up here, than you should put your lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. So here's what the scriptures say. It's better when the king says, hey, I want you to come sit up front with me, than you to make your way over there and, and sit yourself down next to the king when it wasn't, wasn't yours to take. A lot of times when we self-promote, here's another verse in uh, Proverbs 25. It says, it's not good to eat much honey. Or kids, it's not, much, it's not good to eat much candy. Or adults, it's not good to eat too much of anything, right? Just not good. It's going to come out like the dog, right? It's not good. So to seek one's own glory is not glory. So to be a self-promoter, to seek your own glory, it's not glory at all. In fact, the greatest, a great principle for us to be humble in humility is this, Proverbs 27, 2. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. That's a phenomenal principle for us. If you have to tell everybody why you're so good, you're going to get yourself in trouble. Just keep serving God. Keep loving the Lord. Keep being humble. Keep putting others above yourself and keep seeking the Lord. Look, God will honor it, and that's all that matters. It sure is good to get appreciation from people, from your job, from your, your place, or even at church. It's sure good to get appreciation. That's a good thing. We all need that as human beings. But the reality is your identity comes from God, not from me, and not from the person next to you, and not from your boss. It comes from the Lord. You know, I, I used to, when I was working in the restaurant world, I, I tried to move up the ladder. Anyone try to move up the ladder? And that's, that's a good thing. You should have goals. You should work hard. You should try to move up the ladder. But I tried to promote myself. Anyone try to promote yourself? I tried to tell my boss why I needed to have that position. Right? I was self-promoting. Instead of just being honoring and being a blessing and working hard. Proverbs, or I think it's in the Psalms, it says, your gift will make room for you. Your gift will make room for you. You just keep being honoring, keep being humble, and keep serving the Lord. God will bless you.
Let me end with uh, Philippians 2. If we could paint a picture of what humility looked like, this is where it would come from in Philippians 2. So if you're ever wondering, you kind of get in this jam and maybe you're dealing with pride or whatever it may be and you want to know what humble is. Obviously, it's Jesus, but I love what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. He's writing to the Philippian church. He's writing to leaders of the church. He's writing to you, okay? He's writing to the church. And here's what he says. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. You and I, we got to have the same attitude as Jesus had. All right, so this is a, Paul's getting your attention, isn't he? And here's Jesus' attitude. It goes on to say in verse 6, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God, died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor, gave him the name above all names. We just sang this, by the way. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You know, I, I... I don't think about this enough, but when you think about humbleness, I want you to look at it this way. We all kind of like technology, or you have a phone, or maybe you don't. It doesn't matter. But think about if somebody invented or created something. Somebody created this, this cool iPhone. They created this iPhone. How crazy would it be to say, as the creator, as the inventor that made it, says, okay, now I want to be a phone. I just, I just want to be the phone. A, it can't happen, but it, it would just be weird. But this is what Jesus did. He created you. He created me. He created every person in humanity. And the God that made everything and made all things became what he created. So as silly as this sounds, that's what Jesus did. He left heaven, and as God, he left all his divine privileges. Now think about this. Jesus could have said, had a conversation with the Father and said, hey, Listen, I'm going to go down there, but, man, I want to float. I just want to be able to teleport in an instant. He could have kept some divine privileges, but he didn't. He, he left them all, Philippians says. He said he put the, the Godhead down, and he came down, became like us. The God who created everything became like the created. That's humility in its purest form. And by the way, it can never happen again. This concept of humility could only be done once. The Messiah came down. The one who is the Word had to read the Word. This is Him. But yet, He put all down His divine privileges. He couldn't see like He could at the Godhead. So now, He had to study the Scriptures just like you and me. He had to read the Bible. He had to pray. He needed the Holy Spirit just like we needed the Holy Spirit. He had to look to God. He had to go to God for situations. He had to be under his appearance, authority. He had brothers and sisters and stepbrothers and stepsisters. He had the same situations that we did on earth. He had a job. He had to learn a craft. He had to learn talent. Joseph taught him how to be a carpenter. And even greater, he lived 33 years and never sinned, ever, ever. He was perfect. He would help people. He'd bless people. He'd heal people. 
He'd walk into a room and astonish even the greatest of scholars at age 13, by the way. Blew people away. Never did anything that was bad in the perception of humanity. He always did good. Yet they hung him on a cross like a criminal. Like a criminal. Even the one criminal next to him, not the one that said, you have paradise with me today. The other one said, oh, if you're God, send down the angels and save yourself. Get yourself down from here. Pride and arrogance, right? Selfishness. But yet Jesus died on the cross just like he said he would. He said he would die for us, and he did. He said he would raise from the dead, and he did. He said he would ascend to heaven, and he did. He said he would be at the right hand of his father, and he is. This is a beautiful picture of humility. We didn't deserve any of that. I can't imagine God, I just couldn't imagine being in that situation where you're saying, I'm God, but I'm gonna leave my Godhead and become like them so I can show them what love is. And I can show them what humility is. But that's the painting, that's the picture. And Paul says, I love what he says in verse five, you must have the same attitude. Now I know we're not God and we can't, we'll never be God and we can't come down from heaven to earth. But you can look at your friend and your neighbor and see their need and bless them in a way that you'd bless yourself. What would you do for yourself if you were hungry? What would you do for yourself if you need clothing? What would you do for yourself if you're hurting? What would you do for yourself if you just lost somebody and you're grieving? What would you do for yourself? What did Jesus do for you? Have the same attitude. That's what humility is all about. Ask yourself the question, what would I do if it was me? And then bless them in a, in a way that answers the question. That's what humility is. What would I do if that person came into church and look, I know they're a mess, but remember you were a mess and you walked in. What did somebody else do for you? You know, for me, I sat in the back because I wanted to get out fast. But I'll never forget the man that sat down with me and brought me to lunch afterwards and bought my lunch, which I couldn't pay for at the time. I didn't tell him that. And sitting down at lunch trying to think about all the different excuses. Hey, I forgot my wallet, you know, all these things. But he bought lunch. And I came back to Westridge that next week. Why? Because somebody loved me more than I loved myself. Stand your feet. I just want to pray for you. Lord, help us be more like you. Lord, you tell us in your gospel to die to ourselves every single day. God, we have an opportunity every day to do that. It's not just a catchy slang saying that we can say. It's not just a catchy verse. It's the reality of that we deal with pride every day. We deal with selfishness every day. We deal with an enemy and an accuser every day. But Lord, we can look to you. In our weakness, you're our strength. My flesh wants to do something. My flesh wants to be selfish. My flesh wants to be prideful. But God, I need you. Although that's what my flesh wants to do, what do you want me to do? Jesus, what was your attitude? When you sat in the grave that day and prayed and said, God, could you make this cut pass? But not my will, be done your will. 
Lord, help us be like you. Help us make decisions that honor not only you as our Lord, but honor others. And so, Lord, I'm just thankful for everyone in this room and everyone listening in online. Keep molding us, God. We may not always get it right, but I, I love that verse we just read. If we're truly humble and we're seeking your humbleness, there's grace. So even though we don't get it right, we're going to get an opportunity to do it again. We're going to get an opportunity to show your grace and your humility again. But Lord, our desire as a church, our desire as Westridge, our desire as a people, that's why we're here, is to know your heart, to make decisions based on your heart, and to be followers of Christ. We love God and we love people. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said.